0: Welcome to Listen With Your Eyes, the show that is heard, not seen. I'm your host, the blind guy, Callum Brennan, and on this podcast, we will be exploring what it's like to live with a disability. Let's get started. Joining me today is my amazing guest, Aaron Boyce,
1: hooray!
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, hell of a, hell of a, hooray! Yeah, do your own um, applause. That's uh, yeah, well done. Well,
1: <clears throat> kind of the studio audience, so y-
0: yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, I mean, we could have, and you know, who can be bothered to edit in the, uh... you know, the track that they use for sitcoms, <laughs> so. Thank you for being here today. Um, you'll see, you know why you're here. So, shall we start by asking? Um, you know, where are you born? Do you still live there and all that stuff?
1: Where am I born? Yes. So I was born in Bolton. um so quite a fair ways from where you are. Um, yes. And I've sort of, I've stayed in Bolton pretty much, other than um, going to. Residential college for three years with yourself and um Jan and Callum uh where well, we went to in Hereford but other than that yeah I've been in Bolton all this time I'm stuck here
0: yeah I was gonna say Erin Erin is a uh, another person who I met at the Royal National College for the Blind which that will uh be a theme for uh the first few episodes because um there aren't many blind colleges in uh in the country so a lot of a lot of us do end up there. So were you born uh, with your visual impairments and you know if you can go into detail about what kind of uh, sight impairment you have?
1: Yeah so <clears throat> I've got a congenital condition so I was born with a level of sight that I have now. Um, it's called retinitis pigmentosa I believe it is the second most common cause of blindness for people who are working age. Cause I think it's diabetic retinop- retinopathy. Okay. That's the, uh, the number one cause. Um, <clears throat> so we're very common. We're a dime a dozen us RP folks. Um, sure. It's called RP for short, but, yeah. Yeah. but um, yeah, so I was born with a condition called RP. Um, mainly how it affects me is the, the big thing for me is night blindness. So I'm very severely night blind. Um, I'm saying it means that going out at night, I can't see anything. It is black. All I can really yeah. see is when there are lights and things. So it's street light. I can't really see the, the pole of the light. I can just see the bulb sort of floating in the air and it doesn't really illuminate anything. Sure. Um, so that's the biggest problem for me. Uh, also, a lot of sort of atmospheric lighting. So like restaurants and cinemas and bars yeah. and stuff like that, just completely black to me. And most people's houses as well don't have great lighting. So it's it's a big problem for me that's usually what means i can't see um my sort of additional problems on top of that is that i have tunnel vision so i think a normal person has about 90 degrees of peripheral vision um and i have i think at best it's about 40 degrees and at worst it's about 20 degrees because it's not a perfect tunnel as you might imagine like it's you know certain bits and different people with rp might have say like the top of their peripheral vision um, might be the most severely affected so it always feels like they're wearing a kind of sun visor or something or, okay. you know, it might be down below and they're always tripping on things. Um, so it can vary around and then the final sort of small issue I've got is I'm um, colourblind to some unknown extent. It's not as simple as most people who are colourblind and it's called red-green blindness. I think it's more accurate to call it colour deficiency because everything, as I've heard it's described by other people um, because RP isn't often... You're not often born with a level of visual impairment. You're usually born sort of fully sighted or with enough sight that you you don't really know that you have a visual impairment. Um right. and then later on your sight starts to deteriorate. Um so the people who have been affected like that and their vision's more like mine now, because they've been able to see colour before, they've described it as everything kind of being washed out like grey. So right. not completely black and right black and white, but you know, everything's kind of desaturated and, and feels mixed with grey so that sort of <clears throat> i mean it has had a big effect on me i guess as well you know it feels like the smallest thing but it's you know it's it's quite there's, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of color and a lot of color-coded things yes quite. um so yeah um that's my sight condition i think something we're probably gonna end up touching on as well and obviously because me and you are friends we know each other quite well yeah um and I think, you know, it's something that I think we'll have a lot to talk about because you're currently in the, the process of hopefully getting a diagnosis as well, um, is that I'm on the, the autistic spectrum. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with that at 15. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that later, but I think that's something that's yes. probably going to crop up as well. And, you know, there, there are ways in which it overlaps with visual impairment as well, I think, that's that hopefully should be interesting to talk about.
0: Definitely um so yeah to sort of go a bit backwards yeah with um with your RP because um like you said it's not just outside so you said the artificial light- lighting I remember um obviously we had moments in being at the college where some rooms would be harder for you to see in than others and I think I remember you saying wasn't it something when you moved from one building to another so say so when we started college erin was um
1: i was a wee baby yes
0: erin was 16 the youngest you could be at the college and they had a building for under 18 year olds a prison (laughs) some some would say with uh yeah they had a curfew and stuff
1: yeah, Callum um, yeah, and Lewis got to be in the big boys club, yeah. and I got kicked up, uh, kicked out at eleven o'clock.
0: That's yeah,
1: much to my chagrin, and it's not fair because Yian was also my age, but because the under 18s building wasn't accessible, he wasn't he wasn't made to stay in it. Yeah. which I mean, unfair, and he should have stayed on the street. But <laughs> that's just me.
0: No, it's uh, yeah, he he got away with that one um, quite often, but yeah. So when I mean, when you saying because while we were there you obviously turned 18 and when you were moving into the over 18 building one of the things that um staff and you um checked on was that your bedroom had a bright enough
1: yeah we have to check sort of i remember going around we were looking at um where the sun because obviously it's, it's where the window is, like, if it's north-facing or south-facing. Because for me, um, natural light's the best thing. And probably, if you get somebody with photophobia, because I remember having this discussion with somebody we knew of photophobia, which is, like, well, it's a fear of lights. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a big sensitivity to lights, whereas I've got the opposite problem. My light, my eyes just aren't sensitive enough to light, and I need as much as I can get. Yeah. Um, but I know having discussions with those folks as well, natural light is just so much better But at least for me, it's better than artificial light. For people with photophobia, it's so much worse because it's so much brighter. Um, But yeah, so having, you know, making sure that there was enough natural light in the room. Um, And I think even when I was in the under 18s hall, I I do remember it was quite a while ago now, but I'm pretty sure they did actually install a light in that or they changed the bulb or something like that um, so that the light in there was brighter. And they couldn't do that in the over 18s hall because of the way the building was built. They couldn't, like, install another light. Yeah. I, yeah, I think there, they, there weren't ceiling lights or something. It was something weird that was built in a really weird way. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some problems like that, I guess, in, in both the the halls and some of the the buildings as well, because obviously um, they had to try and accommodate people with photophobia and people like myself, yeah. um, and had like had <laughs> quite a bit of back and forth and yeah. stuff like that. I remember I did A level art with a girl um, albinism, which obviously, I mean, that's. One of the most photophobic kind of problems you can have. Yes. Um, and we sort of had to, luckily it was only the two of us in art, because obviously you can imagine they were really small glass sizes. Yeah. Um, but she'd have to, she was in like a little corner by herself and we'd gotten her like a curtain kind of thing so that, because there were loads of windows in that room as well. And it was great yeah. for me, I sat right by the window and she hated it. And there were ceiling windows as well. So she was we trying to cover those up for her but trying to keep enough light for me. So yeah, there was a fine balance at the college. So I understand why it was uh, like that, but you run into problems like that sometimes.
0: Sure, yeah, we will, um, at some point, we will have a guest on here who um, has uh, albinism. So I'm sure that will come up a lot more then. Um, sort of with the, to sort of address things that some people may not think of, cause talk about obviously um, the darkening uh, is what You know, makes it hard. I'm just thinking of uh, sunglasses, like, because you talk about sun, they're obviously, it's not like your eyes are, you know, impervious to sunlight.
1: Mm, Um, Yeah. And for some people, I mean, I'm kind of lucky I'm not as photophobic as as some folks, but, um, you know, as talking about RP, often the sight deteriorates, and luckily mine stayed the same. But for a lot of folks, even though they become more and more night blind, Um, they also get more and more photophobic. So it becomes a bit of a trade-off of like, well, do I want to be in pain or do I want to see? Hmm."
0: Definitely. But um, is it, I don't know if you wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, you've got sunglasses that like the lenses are a little different. Yeah. um, Yeah. Normal
1: sunglasses are too, um, too intense for me. Like even when the sun's really, really bright, because it does still, it it does still hurt. I still am photosensitive in a way, Um, but it, I decide with that trade-off that I would rather be kind of uncomfortable sometimes and it be really bright so that I can see everything. Sure. Um, but yeah, so instead of getting normal sunglasses I have to get, I, they've been described as a kind of leucoside colour. So they probably look kind of strange and, and maybe um, funky and fashionable possibly, but also kind of lame too. Because um, I used to have these, they, they provide them at the low vision clinics. Um, they're sort of, because I wear normal prescription glasses anyway. Yeah. And before I knew that you could get uh, like prescription sunglasses in this color because it's a. I've I've since found out that you can get prescription sunglasses and I get them, but there's a big faff doing it for somewhere like Specsavers because it's such a specialist kind of tint you have to get. Sure. But But um, I used to have these ones that would go over your glasses like safety goggles, so they were like lucasade colored safety goggles and they looked ridiculous with the glasses underneath. That
0: sounds it. But um, yeah. No, um, I guess uh, the other thing to sort of uh, discuss a little bit because I know it was something that I found interesting early in our friendship because um, like uh, hopefully it will be for a lot of our listeners, I think for many of us going to the blind college, meeting you know, people with uh, different elements of uh, mm. blindness, um, was uh, also very interesting. And as I've mentioned on episodes previously with Lewis and Yarn, you know, you're basically um, learning each other's uh, scorecard for blind top trumps. True.
1: Um, And it also means that you could use people, like we'd sort of have a fully sighted people between, uh, one fully sighted person between all of us. Because like one of the things, I I suppose it probably would be interesting people to know. I know there's, there've been like things recently where people see blind folks reading you know any kind of print but especially small print yeah because my i don't really have any problems with my acuity my vision isn't blurry like that's a big problem for a lot of folks yeah um but because it's not blurry if i have enough light i can actually read really really small print and i can read regular print fine actually better than large print because of my peripheral vision problems like large print is kind of too big for my field of vision
0: yeah
1: um but i am like a lot of the time i think i was kind of the reading person amongst the group and then like Yayan was the color person um, I don't, what did you bring to the table? <laughs> you useless. <laughs> um, 10%. What did uh, you have? Nothing. Yeah.
0: I don't really know. I mean, honestly. me and Lewis were sort of just there for the yeah. ride.
1: You're just freeloaders. Yeah. Honestly.
0: I mean, you know, I think I was quite good at knowing where stuff was for some reason. <laughs> I just, I just, I learned in <laughs> mobility training, so I knew which way we needed to go sometimes. I suppose mm. that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. And um, you know, yeah. Lewis was there for, for the you know, for the banter.
1: Lewis is uh, he was the pretty face, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um but no, the thing I was gonna uh, mention that I know I found interesting was of due to um your night blindness and natural light being better for you, um you're you're not a fan of the um shorter days in
1: uh, winter. No. Makes makes me sad. I'm not like you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I found it kind of difficult especially now, um, obviously you have been out of college for quite a while um, sure. and sort of working full time um, it's, you know it, there's an element of it where it, it feels really depressing as well, like on top of the fact that you, it's just I prefer being able to see for as long as possible during the day, which I'd, I'd like to think is quite an understandable thing um, so. but, you know, it does limit you, your capabilities where you feel like you can't Go out as much when you're used to being able to see and then suddenly you can't and when you're working full time as well like and you are going out and it's dark and you're coming home and it's dark i feel I felt a little bit housebound honestly True. um you know every time it gets to winter, and yeah. I'm like that and I feel like oh I can't just nip to the shop like oh, it's gotta be a big thing and people are gonna help me out and, you know it, it can get a bit depressing when it gets to that time of year,
0: yeah I'd imagine so um someone I saying like when you were in school, like, would you um, like, leave a bit before school ended to make sure you could make your way? Yeah,
1: away? I mean, luckily, because our school, I think it was about twenty to four, we'd break up, and there's, um, I mean, luckily, because we wouldn't be in school for the actual solstice, which would be the, the shortest day of the year. But True, I remember yeah. there'd always be a week sort of at the very, very end of you know the December term, where it would go, it'd be like in that sort of dusk because for me it yeah. sort of goes from like i can see and then around about dusk it's like everything is silhouettes yeah and anything you think that it's dark it just isn't there like anybody wearing dark clothes is not there they're free for the walking into and like whatever you can only really see stuff against the sky Definitely. um so there'd be like about a week before school would break up for christmas where it'd be like that and it was just like every second counted i'd be like shaking like oh my god oh my god i've got to get out of here as soon as you know um, lessons are about to end and then i just bolt because yeah. i would get about five minutes before everybody else um would leave to to leave myself even in the summer and everything um so i had that five minute window and then as soon as it got to 22 that's it it just erupted if i didn't get to the bus by that time that's it i wasn't getting home <laughs> like sure. it was really stressful <laughs>
0: i imagine so i
1: feel like that could be a cool video game concept honestly <laughs> Escape the school night blindness
0: it, i mean i do feel like it would actually um get people on edge and um it would achieve um being uh educational i'd say for people but um to confirm though like you're talking about obviously moments like that being uh quite tense you did um Actually, I thought I would mention for those who don't know, the solstice is the 21st of December. Um, just thought I'd put that out there. Um, but yeah, like you do, you have had training with a cane. Like you are able to use yeah. a cane.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. do it in school. That was a, a thing with me because I, I was very sure. embarrassed about using it and I didn't want to use it. Um, I don't even think I brought it to school. But yeah, I mean, especially now since I've, I've been at the college, I did know how to use my cane in school. Um, but, I, you know, I felt a lot more comfortable using it. And now I, I wouldn't be in that position anymore because I always do bring my cane with me now, even if I don't have it out, um, you know, I always have it for backup because you just don't... I found myself in so many situations like that where it has gotten dark because you just never know when something's going to keep you longer than you think. Yeah, um, And, you, you know, I don't want to be in that situation anymore. And I'm not embarrassed now that I've, you know, I've had that experience of it, of <clears throat> blindness and disability being normal at the college. You know, I'm not embarrassed of, of having a cane anymore. and I, I know... So, you know it's a great aid to have.
0: Yeah. No definitely um I think people feeling awkward um and not using a cane in school is definitely uh, it's not uncommon. I know it's something that I had um in primary school um and of uh, only for a little bit in secondary school but um after I fell down some stairs um which I still think wasn't actually due to um my blindness it was just that um you know it was it, they were they were out they were outside um you know so it was concrete mm-hmm. stairs and it had been raining so i just think i just happened to slip i you know i'm pretty sure that was the case however obviously Pete, you know teachers and the teaching assistants saw it as no you need to use your cane and
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and i didn't and my parents agreed so i didn't have a choice in the matter but it's uh not one i um regret. Uh and uh
1: See, I never had any dramatic incidents like that, but yeah. I feel like it that might have been the case for me if I had, but luckily I didn't fall down any no, stairs, any great injuries.
0: No, that's that's <clears> good. I mean I didn't, you know, get I just had grazes on my hands and knees. But um if people if uh people are interested in that, um, you can go to my blog uh Blink and you'll miss it. Um shameless plug. But uh to to also link with the education source you'll I think it's very much your implied there that you were at mainstream educate in mainstream education. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mainstream primary and secondary.
0: Yeah. So how did you find that?
1: Um, I mean, I'm glad that I did it. I suppose I think it's difficult to think what was the right path to go down to do specialist or mainstream. Yeah. Um, definitely, I was happy enough in mainstream primary. Um, I didn't really have any sort of incidents there. Nobody was um really good. Um. I did consider going to there is a place called new college worcester which funnily enough is quite close to to the royal national college for the blind and yeah. i don't know why they're both centered in basically the same place <laughs> you'd think yeah. they would spread them out a bit further but yeah so that's sort of a specialist um they're a secondary school and a sixth form for blind folks so i remember i did um i did an assessment i was considering going um there for year six at first and i decided i didn't want to do it because it really is like a boarding school kind of thing Yeah. Um, I I wasn't prepared to do that at year six, and then I thought, again, at year nine, maybe I want to do that, and do GCSE a year there. No, I didn't feel like it. And then again, um, sixth form, no, RNC suited me better. So um, I don't know. And I think there's definitely, you obviously learn independent schools at at places like that, but I don't think my independent schools were, they weren't so bad um, in secondary school that I feel like I needed that kind of intervention I think it would have been nice to be in a place where people sort of understood the the issues of, of being blind but at the same time I, I don't know there's sort of a, a trade off of you want to be in a, a situation like that but you don't want to isolate yourself and live in that kind of bubble I think no. a lot of people talk about that when you know they've been to specialist provision in some sense that um, you, you end up having to go out into the real world at some point and you know I think the way round that I did it you know being with everybody else and and being the sort of odd one out in mainstream sec- primary and secondary and then going to specialist college you know that 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 was probably the best way for me even if i didn't enjoy secondary very much because admittedly some kids are a bit um unpleasant shall we say
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask because um did you um so it was so primary was fine but you had unfortunately there were some children who um to uh, yeah. replicate your word were unpleasant in secondary
1: yeah it, well i even it's not even really just kids that's the thing and it feels a bit sad to say but like teachers were bad about it as well but i i i mean i don't know really um if if part of it my problem potentially could have been that i didn't want to admit that i was different i didn't want to be different so i didn't use my cane i didn't tell anybody sure um that i was visually impaired but in some ways, it's obvious because you're walking around with a laptop and you go into the, the sort of VI room that, you know, like, they, they'd have a sort of specialist provision room that you go and pick up your work from, you'd put your laptop away, stuff like that. It's obvious to kids this there's something wrong, but they don't know the full extent of it if you're not open about it by using a cane or by telling other kids what's up and you just want to hide it. Then I think it, it sort of fed into the problem that when kids know there's something wrong, but they don't know exactly what, they can't really be empathetic. Um, and they're they're sort of nasty about it. And likewise with teachers, teachers didn't really know what was going on either. So like I, I remember I had um, a couple of incidents like things like walking into teachers. And I remember one time I walked into the uh, the science sort of technician, you know, the guy that would bring like the, the beakers of acid and stuff like that yeah. around the school equipment. Um, and I walked into him because all the corridors were really dark and this was something they they never sort of addressed it like as much as I brought it up to the school. Right. um they never did anything about it being so dark so i walked into him and he must have had like some really dangerous chemicals or something in his hands right. um and he literally like everything went silent he was like you stupid girl how dare you do that and like really just chewed me out for a solid minute everybody was silent it's like oh my god it was horrible yeah, but stuff I like can that imagine. i think yeah you know if if i'd have my cane there or if the teachers all knew and he knew there was a blind kid walking around i don't know that might not have happened but yeah it was just a lot of incidents like that where you were sort of it was drilled into you that like you would you were doing something wrong and there was something wrong with you and people knew it but i don't know
0: yeah it's hard to say but um i mean i guess despite some problems you did manage to do your exams and everything
1: yeah academically i think it was fine and i guess that's yeah. maybe part of the problem for me is that i was doing okay in that sense and it was really in the the social aspect that i wasn't willing to to ask for health and tell people what was up with me if you will so i sort of i was managing enough like possibly if i did have problems with with reading um you know because that's that seems to be a general theme especially being at the college it was obvious that a lot of people hadn't gotten say work adapted and things like that and if you if there's no option for you to read small print if your site is that bad Yeah. then at some point you have to say well i just can't access the work and go to specialist provision or you know another mainstream school that can accommodate your needs more but because they're accommodating my needs academically because i didn't really need all that much adaptation um you know like everything else just kind of fell by the wayside i think and it, it was just i was just getting on as best i could
0: sure so, I guess you talk about secondary school and I guess it's quite a good way of uh, linking to your um diagnosis with um what's referred to now as um a s d mm. um you say it was when you were fifteen um yeah, so... so if I don't know if you want to um, you know expand on that
1: yeah um i mean it kind of came about for me I was having a lot of um mental health issues i think it really it was a result of the the isolation I felt at school, you know, I felt very really alienated because of my, my sight problems and people treating me the way they were. Sure. Um, so I went through the, the children's, um, what is it called? Children's, it's called CAMS, I can't even remember what the it's the mental health service. Children's, and it must be young adults, I don't know why they've taken the young, I, mean, I don't know, young adults mental health service. I went yeah. through there basically, um, and they helped me, you know, my mental health issues as well, but they also noticed because they're, they're trained professionals. Um, the guy I was talking to obviously picks up on the fact that he thought I might benefit from Um, you know seeing an autism specialist because he felt that I might be on the spectrum. Um So that's what I did and as it turns out, yes, I do have a asd Um, and it did you know when I was sort of talking to my parents and they'd said that while I was growing up they People had mentioned to them like oh, she might have asd um, but it it wasn't something they wanted to look into because Really, I think when you get so much support um when you have like a sensory impairment like being blind as well, and there's some overlap between it. It sort of meant that it it wasn't again, I was doing all right academically. I didn't need sort of academic support and whatever social support I needed because of ASD I was sort of like getting from my family as much as possible. So we just didn't sort of address it in a medical way. um sure, and I think again talking with my parents they they didn't want to give me another label um you know because there's a certain there's stigma already to being blind and then being blind and autistic it's just sort of another another thing to deal with um you know and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't necessary to get that diagnosis yeah okay um, sorry no it's okay i wasn't
0: uh no, i was gonna say about like you talk about the stigma like it's definitely something that um I think we all discussed quite often um, at RNC that there Mm -hmm. is this um, perception that um, visual impairment, um, you know, blindness, whatever you want to call it, um, people who are able do seem to link it to um, having um, either either there's a mix-up with other physical disabilities or Mm -hmm. it's that it comes hand in hand with uh, some... Um, element of um, mental disability, whether that's a learning difficulty or whatever. Yeah, I think
1: there's just like a general, I mean, I I think it's the same with with sensory impairment in general, sort of being blind or being deaf, especially, I think people really struggle to wrap their heads around it, because it is such a different way of living, and especially with sight being the main sense people use, it's difficult for people to think, well, how can you live like that and be happy? um you know if you're all there and and just, like people just really struggle to get their heads around it and it's it's such a kind of taboo thing to talk about disability in general um yeah,
0: definitely Cause, but, yeah yeah because i think we've all um i think definitely both you and i have experienced the um because i talk about like mixing up disability and you mentioned um uh deafness like um you know i think the classic is uh people talking to you um with a you know raised voice mm.
1: um it's it easier to see them you know when when they talk like that obviously. definitely <laughs> yes
0: yeah really comes into focus when that happens to locate like them yeah i mean maybe that's what they're thinking who knows because I've yeah you get as i'm sure will be touched on even more in future episodes with yourself and other people um you get some uh weird questions um
1: yeah
0: <laughs> uh, when you're blind I don't know if you want to um, I know uh, by your reaction there, I don't know if you want to share uh, your uh, in a way your your it seems the wrong choice of the word but your best example
1: my best example see obviously you know a couple of the stories I've told you Yeah. which one are we only talk about like something serious because there is quite there's a sort of funny story I had with a, a friend's dad
0: I was thinking of that one but that then, one okay yeah,
1: yeah. um <laughs> When I was in secondary school, I was at a friend's house and I think she was getting her stuff from the car or something, like her dad was going to drive me home. So I was in the car with her dad on my own and she was about to come in. Yeah. And he very earnestly turned to me <laughs> and he said, Aaron, have you ever tried carrots? Would carrots help <laughs> with the blindness?" <night> <laughs> and I wasn't cheeky enough to be like, oh my God, sir, you've cured me. I'm going to eat a <laughs> yeah. pound of carrots right now. Um, I just went, no, I don't think carrots will help (laughs) because I was 14 and a wimp, but I wish I'd turned around to him and told him. (laughs) It changed my life. Oh, man. I love that man and I think about him sometimes. (laughs) I just...
0: (laughs) No, it fascinates me where... it's It's just so interesting that something like that, that parents tell you as children, just someone just would have it ingrained in their mind as a solution. Mm. It's almost like it just. I feel like it's. Probably...
1: And especially one. Like, I love the fact that he didn't think I'd ever tried. You yeah. know, this it's not like there's some very secret thing about. I mean, like, you no. look into it, obviously, it was a propaganda thing and it's not real. But everybody's yeah. heard at least this sort of myth that carrots help oh, yeah. night. With. And the fact that this guy had thought, here's this kid that has night blindness. It's not like I'd just become night blind, I'd always been night blind as far as his daughter had known me. And he was like, I bet this one has never tried carrots. I'm gonna tell him. This is gonna rock our world. I just love it. I love that man. I love
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just it just makes me think of like not to get into too much detail, but like when, you know, when growing up and um you know, going through puberty, I met there was a point where I was concerned. You know in the weird way that your teenage brain can, in anyone's in a lot of people's teenage brains cancer cells so I was concerned that I was I seem to have hair growing in most places except my chest so it's like okay. if I had if gone if I'd gone then I'm gonna try eating beef every night um,
1: I've not heard that one have you not? I thought you were gonna no. about, like eating the crusts on your brand you're gonna be like no no that's oh, the way it. Like curly.
0: yeah crust for curly hair no You've beef is eating that crust. get hair on your chest from beef um, huh. yeah, I don't...
1: Maybe that's why I don't I don't eat much beef, so I might not be very...
0: <laughs> Mate, very well, but, uh... That, <laughs> um, cows aren't
1: even that hairy, that doesn't even make sense.
0: It doesn't, does I, it?
1: That is ridiculous. I say... at least eat it with carrots, but...
0: How does carrots make sense?
1: I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Rabbits must have decent night vision. They run away from things. I'm I don't sure.
0: know. They were doing the genetically engineered... I mean, do they have good sight? Because they were doing the genetically engineered rabbits to make themselves glow in the dark. Is that to help them out? Um I don't think
1: that would help the rabbit. I feel like that would hinder it. More. I mean
0: definitely if it was actually in the wild. Thankfully they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, like that's definitely that 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 rabbit is definitely a fox's dinner. flopsy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, what did he oh no? Look, there's a glow in the dark corpse over there.
0: Yeah. Well, moving on. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um yeah, no I think um I mean if you want to go cuz you said you've got the funny story and there's a more serious uh, one I, I don't know if yeah. you want I don't know if you wanted to um go on to Yeah, that.
1: I can touch on it a little bit. Obviously you know Yeah. some details about okay. this. Um Yeah. Essentially, I mean <clears throat> there's a big problem with unemployment for blind people. Um mm, I've yep. had some discrimination at interviews. Uh you know, people just saying, people I don't know what makes them say stupid things. Especially when you're, you know, you're qualified to be recruiting people and interviewing people. I don't know why people think they can say the things that they have said to me. Um, and I've heard disgusting things, remember folks as well. But like, <clears throat> um, the big one that I had, and I, I really, I can't talk a lot about it. Sure. Um, because I ended up going through the legal system with this company. Yeah. But I was told, I went into interview for them um, twice, like two stages of interview. So they see me in person several times and they, they sort of knew... Like, I was fine getting around. I didn't need anybody to guide me. I was okay. Yeah. Um, and they in they, the guy um, who had been interviewing me, called me a couple of weeks after that second stage interview, and he said, "Sorry, the job's gone." Um, we had some concerns about you getting in and out of the building and to the toilet independently. And that was it. And I don't know how i'm gonna be honest when he said that i completely just blanked. like i didn't say anything back to him
0: sure it was like my
1: brain just sort of blipped because there's just no how how does anybody respond to something like that especially when you're trying to be polite to somebody who you you desperately want a job from yeah you know how you can't exactly turn around and be like you absolute wally what are you saying to me you've seen me to put it politely yeah trying to be clean
0: yeah um
1: but i i just didn't and i just we just ended the call like that i was like yeah. oh okay well, tell me if you've got any other jobs i might be qualified for then and that was it like i I didn't even argue with the guy because how how does anybody argue that you can get in and out of the building which you've already done and get to the toilet independently which yeah i hadn't, hadn't vid- visited the toilet but like if i needed to i could have i didn't need somebody to hold my hand to go <laughs> so
0: no I was oh, gonna, gonna say you yeah. of all people i mean even if someone likes i mean obviously it would have it still be pretty bad to say someone as myself who has less sight than you or of uh, lewis who was on the first episode who was uh you know who yeah. has no sight at all it still is ridiculous you know it's yeah and
1: nonetheless and even if you had had somebody with no vision at all and they had needed guided around ra- guiding around the building hey, if you were doing that job and i mean why would you show up to the interview if you don't think you could do the job here because this is the yeah. thing when i've had these instances i've had other minor instances as well um but like people seem to have this impression that like disabled people apply to jobs that they know they can't do in this malicious way so that they can sue people or something when they turn yeah. around and go no you can't be a bus driver you blind idiot and then you go aha i've got you under the equality act i'm allowed to drive this bus like you're obviously not you're never going to be allowed to do that job. Why would you apply to it if you didn't if you knew that you can do it? And there seems to be this misconception yeah. especially I don't know why amongst recruiters that they're just afraid of that happening that they think that that there's no way a disabled person could do that job. And they're not they're not even educated about it. They don't they don't know anything about that person's condition. And that's the other thing that I really, you know, when I thought about it after I'd hung up the phone with this guy, I thought he doesn't even know that my condition's cold. He's never asked me anything. And because there are, f- especially in, in an interview setting, you know, when you're, you're looking for employment, employers are so afraid of asking questions yeah. because, again, they had this fear that if they say how, you know, even if they ask what adaptations they can give you, because that's the thing some of them know to ask, and that is okay to ask. And for a lot of people, it's okay for you to ask kind of what their condition is if, it, if it's relevant, you know, if you do have concerns. Um, but yeah this guy he didn't he didn't know my condition was called he never asked me anything about what I could do and yet he he was determined enough that I couldn't do those things for whatever reason that he was willing to just not offer you know for the the job the job gone I couldn't even argue at this point because he'd waited weeks and weeks and weeks to hire other people and then call me and tell me that and he thought that was acceptable um but yeah i don't know just some some people are just willing to say things like that and i don't know it amazes me and it it does make me worry as well because you think how many people are thinking things like that and they don't actually say them both in interview settings and just generally when you meet people on the street what are they thinking about you
0: yeah no definitely i mean to what you said about your mind going blank i mean i had a similar experience to that again i'm not gonna name them and stuff because what's the point but it's um Uh, I was in a supermarket um, trying to get assistance Mm. and I had been in that supermarket before it um, around where I live and um, had assistance in there a few times Uh, the time I had most recently been in there it had taken a while however that was a result of the guy who had been given uh, to me, as it were, to assist. Um, <laughs> to yeah, me. well, it's basically they're <laughs> selected, aren't they? Your yeah,
1: your best assistant.
0: <laughs> it's um, well, I mean, I mean, if that was actually a request, I don't. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that always is the case, but um, mm-hmm. but no, and oh, so he was recently new, so he didn't know where everything was, um, so that made things take a bit longer. No, you know, that's fine. It's obviously it's a bit irritating because it's taking up time but whatever he apologized for it numerous times during it and you know I got my shopping but the next time I went uh basically asked for assistance um it's normally I ask this, the security guard in there um because it's just easier that way um they radio through someone came to me and basically told me that their manager had um said to them that they couldn't give me assistance anymore because it takes up too much time and ruins the flow of um you know of their day of their you know well, of their I pro of their productivity. This thing, but no was
1: during COVID.
0: No, this was during COVID.
1: <clears throat>
0: um and yeah, so that was um happy- happening and you know I remember being told that And like you said your mind just blanks because you're just
1: you can't can't argue against me like that
0: no because you're just baffled it's almost like you know because once i got outside and i called you know i called my um, wife to uh let her know you know um because obviously i was there like as soon as i get back you know gonna contact the um offices of the uh supermarket chain uh to complain but like as I was talking to her, like just all these thoughts came in my head, See, you know, anger, frustration, embarrassment, but it's just like, like all of that comes in and then in my head it starts to form um, an aggressive version and a less aggressive version of what I should have said in that situation, you know, pull out the, you know, whole, you know, can I talk to your manager thing, the Equalities Act, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. in the moment itself, I think the best, like you say, you're just blank. And I think, you know, I think it's just, at least for me, I think the best way I could describe the only emotion you could feel like in the pit of your stomach was sort of, it was it's mortifying, really. Because yeah. you're just completely, like you say, you just, it's just the, you know, the notion of, you know, because it is, again, it's just, you know, you're being told no for something that is out of your control anyway and also it's wrong, in and the sense like, of it was incorrect it's, information
1: it's usually uneducated yes, so that that's they don't what I mean. know anything about disability they don't know anything about the reality Yeah. of it, and you just think, I can't even argue with you because I don't even, I don't think you know anything, yes. like I'm going to have to explain absolutely everything to you Yeah. you got to do it in a polite way and then you've got the thing of like, they I don't know, especially when it's, it's something that you you need and it's to your favour, you know obviously you want to get a job, you want to do your shopping, yeah, and they're like, well, exactly. of course you'd say that. Of course you'd say it's easy and it's fine and there's no problem because you've got a reason to, yeah. <clears throat> you know. Yeah,
0: for anyone who's wondering, I managed to get things sorted, and um, I have continued going there. Which um, some may argue, oh, why would you still go there? So, like, because it's the closest and it's the it's you obviously know, cheapest.
1: The every time you go and give them. The evil
0: eye, yeah, because and like yeah, won't deny especially. The f-
1: the f- <laughs> Imagine you walking into the shop every time you go and it's, Sorry, you're like, excuse me, sir, can you guide me around? I know it's such a big deal and it's gonna interrupt your workflow, but please.
0: Yeah,
1: I'd like to eat today.
0: I mean, yeah, you you do what you the the sarcasm element really does, you really want to ham that up. But like, like, yeah, I won't deny that. <laughs> but I a
1: problem as well. I mean, that's another thing. I don't know if you feel like that. You've got to be more polite to people as well. When you're asking, definitely. you know, you're putting in a position so much where you've got to ask for help. Yeah. With having a kind of disability, but especially with blindness, because it really does impact your independence. Yeah. And like, I think you feel a lot of the time, like you can't be cheeky and you have you have to be really amicable and charm people. And, you know, I think it's not something that, that sight people... I, I think, I don't think they feel like that, you know, it's not something they have to develop, but you really do feel like you've always got to be extra polite to everybody, because otherwise they could just, like, really take advantage of you, or not help you, and it's you know, it's really important.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's uh... yeah, because that's also something I experience when I get, you know not to go too in-depth into it, because I'm sure we'll get into it with other episodes when talking to uh, fellow guide dog owners but when I get people uh, saying stuff uh, about my um, dog to me, you know, like you know, starting stroking him without asking me or whatever and then you Mm -hmm. know, you just want to you know, be you know, as sarcastic, as cheeky you know, whatever to them but you can't not only because, you know, they could do something in that moment but in that one as well you are of course, you are representing the charity in that moment as well.
1: And you think if you're cheeky to them, if you're horrible to them, whatever, you might get some personal satisfaction out of it. But then that represents, because it's so rare for people to come across a visually impaired person in their day-to-day life. The next time they they come across somebody, they're going to be like, oh, they're an arsehole, and I'll treat them like an arsehole. Yeah. You know, you you feel that sort of burden of representing other people as well.
0: No, exactly. But to, uh, I mean, you sort of mentioned the... uh um unfortunate discrimination in job interviews but it is worth uh, mentioning that you uh have been working uh yes, in I different jobs
1: my way into the field of employment yes it only took me 20 interviews Not yeah
0: better. no um to, to but f- yeah so yeah. i've
1: been i've been working full-time Uh, It took me about a year after we left college, so that was in 2017 we left, and then September 2018, um, I started a business administration apprenticeship, Yeah. Um, and to me, I I felt like that was a big stepping stone for me. I mean, I was applying mainly to apprenticeships um, as well, but I feel it really is kind of like the ultimate starting point doing something like that, and obviously you get the education side of it as well, and... To me, I wanted to apply to apprenticeships specifically because I was genuinely I felt like after being knocked back on so many interviews. It felt like, well, okay, these are employers that are willing to take on sixteen year olds with no work experience. And at the time I didn't have any work experience, obviously, because I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get any actual yeah. employment. Sure. Um so I thought, well, you know, I was a nineteen year old with no work experience and I had a disability. So I thought, well, surely I must be somewhat equal to a sixteen year old with no work experience. Um You'd like to think yeah and i actually got a a, the the apprenticeship i started was actually with an apprenticeship training provider so i was putting the the apprentices that we had you know that we were training um through the provider onto the system and i saw how often they sort of you know they were doing stupid things um and getting fired and walking off the job and stuff like that and you know especially seeing that now in hindsight knowing the standard of most of the sort of 16 17 year old apprentices um that employers would get and then you know seeing the the standard i i was at you know i was <clears throat> i was articulate and i i did interview well and especially when you do as many interviews as i did you really really do get good at it um you know definitely and like i just and knowing how i did when i actually did get into employment i did do really well they said i was one of the best apprentices um they'd had at the company yeah and it, just really disheartening and you know it feels like demeaning to know that i people were willing to take on just some random 16 year old who in most cases left straight away yeah you know when i would have i would have done so well in that role but it was just because i'd been born a certain way that they thought well it's a safer bet to take on this kid who doesn't even care as opposed to this You know, there's an older person with a bit more experience who's really willing to work hard. But yeah, that's how evidently some people see disability. It's such a big no no.
0: It's like it's not like yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? As well with disabilities, it's like you know, nine nine out of ten of us want to want to work. You know.
1: Yeah, I think the statistics um, for because there are different ones for people with different levels of sight, but I think it's about a third of people who are visually impaired in general that have a job and then when you get to people with less vision so like those who are registered blind as opposed to just being visually impaired it is about one in ten so you know it's terrible and i don't i really feel passionate about it because i i don't think we'd accept those kind of unemployment figures for any other social group you know and as i say it's it's not even people who don't feel they can work like because there are different there are Economically inactive people and then there are unemployed people and it's counting the unemployed people, you know, there are nine out of ten Folks who are registered blind are unemployed. They are looking for work They are capable of doing work and they're not being offered anything, you know, and eventually you do give up You know, I probably would have given up it if it had been much longer and you know for a lot of people like doing uh, God, I don't know something something before 20 interviews would, would probably make a lot of people give up i'm gonna be honest like and i I did feel like it at some points yeah so incredibly difficult i don't think it should it, it shouldn't be happening it shouldn't be happening in this day and age but it does
0: sure no definitely but um i guess you talk about like you know getting credit of um being very reliable and stuff while you're there i imagine that you know an element of frustration but also imagine that was um satisfactory
1: Oh yeah, I felt very vindicated when I finally got a job and they were like, oh yes, you're one of the best people we've had. And also, I mean it's also seeing that having it's a diversity of four and being able to because one of the things I found was I was sort of solving problems that they had that were access problems for me. So things like, we had a big cupboard with uh, color-coded files like for different types of apprenticeships you know child care and sure. engineering and stuff like that um and they just chuck all these files in this cupboard and it'd be, yeah. you know it'd be annoying for me to find um yes and because i'm you know nearly completely colorblind yeah i had to sort that out so i spent like an hour or two with another employee that we were sort of studying for it and we were we had like boxes that we put everything in and then we just labeled the boxes with the color and the the field name and it was just it's easier for everybody like when you employ somebody with a disability if they have an access need, generally it, meeting that need makes the company better. It, it makes you more organized and it yeah, especially definitely. if it's something that customers have to deal with as well, like that was an internal thing. But, you know, if I'd been in any kind of customer facing role, it probably would have helped customers with disabilities as well. Like, I just don't understand why employers don't see it as an opportunity to take on people with disabilities because it, it solves so many problems and it's just a good thing to do, like having a, a diverse staff.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. No, I was just—I was to go. I was asking you about the satisfaction because I remember it's very much on a lesser scale. But I was fortunate enough that I managed to. Um, a Bit older than some would, but again, with being blind, it wasn't as easy to get opportunities in work. I got a uh, paper round. I actually before joining the college for a couple of years, um, and I just remember um, some. You know, there may be some people surprised by that. And that was one of the reasons I wasn't expecting it to work out. I was doing it because my sister was um, finishing up. So I offered to take over um, to the um, person in charge. And they said, sure, because I assured them that I would be able to do it. You know, that, you know, I learn a route. That's, you know, I'll be fine. Um, That's the thing people don't seem to realize as well is that, you know, it's, nine it's quite easy to learn stuff um
1: yeah and like the memories especially with blind folks the memory is just so good yeah because you get so many off i mean like i've read about the actual studies that have looked at memories um for like blind visually impaired folks and it is you're better like you learn things quicker and you just have more capacity to memorise things that other people wouldn't, because you get so many opportunities to do it, say, like, if you're in school and the teacher writes a load of questions on the board, you get one opportunity to to learn what those questions are if you can't see the board, because yeah. the teacher says them. So you just keep having to do that over and over and again. And because there's so much processing power in the brain dedicated to visual processing, you, you're not using that because your visual input's just rubbish. You're getting, like, very little of what everybody else gets. So you've got all this extra capacity in your brain, and when you're child as well like you can remold yeah. that and dedicate that to, to memory so like I don't know it is like a little bit of a superpower honestly the, yeah. the memory aspects of it and again I don't think that's something that people know about but it, no. you know, it really is beneficial to people especially in work
0: yeah it's it's something I've been I feel like I'm the, one of the last people to toot my own horn but there's no denying that it is my memory is something that I've been complimented on cute. a lot um uh and, but the thing I was gonna say is with it like s- after like a year of doing the paper round, uh the person who I worked for she, um, told me once that I was the her most reliable employee and mm. it was very you know, like I said it made me f- it was uh very nice to hear and um in a weird way getting compliment like that I don't know about you but I think there is a part of your brain that sort of is there like you know yeah. Up your society. Um,
1: yes, but I told you so. I told you I could do it. Yeah. <clears throat> you didn't believe me, and look at me now. You know. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, but um, just also, so you've had um, uh, so you said you did that um, for uh, you know, unfortunately um, you know, as it has done with uh, many people um, COVID, COVID Sorry. um, yeah, didn't didn't help <laughs> I mean, with that. Yeah, but, but you. Yeah, but
1: just... i've also found on the upside i mean possibly part of it might be zoom interviews as well um i think that's something that i it's been really beneficial to me because obviously when i i did that first job when i got that in 2018 um i did a physical interview for that and i would always go in with my cane sure. um <clears throat> so i couldn't really hide a visual impairment there but actually you you know if you don't visibly have anything to do with your eyes that, that makes you stick out as immediately being blind or zoom then you can do a zoom interview pretty much and you don't have to tell them <laughs> which right. I think is really helpful and like honestly I hope a lot of blind people take advantage of that especially those that haven't worked before because I just love to see lesbian players get tricked into taking on blind people when they <laughs> wouldn't have normally I mean that would be amazing so get on it folks but yeah, yeah I mean, for me I found it was a lot easier to find a job um, you know that second job after being made redundant and then I've since moved to another job after that. Yeah. So, I don't know how much of that has actually been masquerading my uh, visual impairment through Zoom interviews and how much of it has been the fact that I have something on my CV that says somebody paid me for two years to do a job and I didn't set the building on fire, so I think I can do your job. And that yeah. they believe the sighted people that employed me and their judgement more than they believe me saying I can do the job because it would be ridiculous for me to apply to it if I couldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably both those aspects have helped somewhat. Who knows how much you've yeah. contributed, but it's certainly been a lot easier since finding that first job.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. So I, I was going to say, I definitely think um, the fact that you've already had a job would help. And that's the case even for um, people who are fully abled. Mm. Um, but even more so, I would imagine, with um, if you if you had, as you've sort of said, you um, haven't discussed, you know you haven't um told them necessarily but if you had said that you were blind if i'm pretty sure it would at least make them think if they were to see that you've been in a job you know yeah i think that's two years
1: um big factor and i would be interested to see later down the line you know if i'm looking for work again hopefully not but um you know if when all this covid horribleness is over yeah. how easy it would be then if I'd have to do multiple interviews. Because for both of these jobs I only had to do one interview, really. Um until, you know, I got something. It wasn't as anywhere near as many as the first time. So
0: Sure. But you um you live on your own um mm. right now and you've managed all right with obviously working from home as well. Um yep. got got a nice um setup in that sense. And I assume and if anyone's wondering you find it you know it's like it's not like you're struggling you're you know you manage fine no, yeah.
1: I, yeah I have a good Um, I, I really enjoy it I moved out um, <clears throat> living on my own as soon as we left college pretty much it was a week really like I never unpacked all my stuff from college just kept it in a suitcase and I went home sure. and around right mum let's go around all the realtors <laughs> and yeah. uh, find a place to rent and luckily there was somewhere but yeah um, you know I've and I think as well we were kind of it was a halls of residence type situation more than like a sort of school dorm at um the college we were at and i think that really helped with the the independence aspects of it because pretty much it was only if we needed somebody you know it was kind of warden accommodation and we could go down and talk to the warden if you needed help with something like sorting your socks or whatever um but yeah pretty much you know we were living independently and i think that really did help And it's just another reason why i felt like um going to specialist college was probably the best decision for me like at some point i needed to to do that and it you know it was really helpful so i I sort of had those skills um when i left college and yeah i've been doing all right ever since i've helped had some help from my parents luckily um you know they're really supportive and they sort of drop by every couple of days um so i like that'll help me out with sort of diy bits and things like that but yeah you know it's it's all been good and i've really enjoyed sort of living independently
0: yeah, and like you said, I think there's always things you might need some assistance with. There's no getting away from that. But as far as living independently, it was, I know it's something that I was very keen on. I mean, unlike you, after college, I went straight to um, university. But that still was, even though in a hall of residence, there still was the independence. and um, And I knew as soon as uni came to an end that I wanted to... I didn't want to move back to my family's um house and that's obviously it's nothing against my family um you know my family have always been um very good to me um i've been fortunate on that front but it's just yeah there's it's a natural
1: some... thing for most people i think even yes invited people exactly. so i don't think it's getting surprised or you know it shouldn't have to i don't know again maybe it's part of that like feeling that you have to be ultra sort of polite like i don't know if it factors in with that that you feel like oh i've got to you know my family have helped me so much because i know i'm gonna need their help that you feel like you have to justify it and say like no no i don't hate you it's not it's not anything to do with you it's just because i want my independence as much as possible yeah but you know it's a natural thing to want to to be in your Definitely. own place and make your own way
0: i'll be honest though, i feel like the um, clarifying that i don't dislike my family is more i feel that like more when actually i talk to other people my family themselves were there like you know I've talked to my uh both my parents my dad more so but both my parents about it uh since and uh, my dad was saying that he was very um happy to um observe how you know quickly I took to um living on my own when you know when starting at uh the college in Hereford because mm. like any parents would when you know even with uh I think even if the child was fully abled and going to a a border college and I think you know children going to university you know there was an element of apprehension wondering how it would go for both my parents but you know they observed that yeah especially on the independence front I you know gravitated I know I gravitated to it very quickly Mm. and was there like you know I like this a lot um sort of thing it's nice having your own space and all that stuff and um it's weird how um you know at least i would find even when being back with my family for the holidays you know just simple things as far as uh things being moved to a different place can sometimes just be there like oh i can't wait to go back to college um
1: yeah oh my god <laughs> for me it's it's when people leave glasses out on tables that's yeah. what i hate so much and i used to have like a i mean i've gotten better now like and i'm just a lot more careful i, I imagine you probably had the same sort of thing like you'd knock up the you just wreak havoc on the house but especially me you know, it was breaking glasses or like walking either yeah. onto the the dishwasher you know like the dishwashers that open so they're on the floor sure. or cupboard doors that are open just like straight the point of it straight into your face Oof. oh the Horrible. cupboard
0: thing was more like for me the dishwasher actually i normally didn't miss or like the oven because due to i don't know i think as you sort of mentioned um i'm hope i'm hope planning to be uh, tested for asd and i think and obviously a, a part of why i think i've got it is my um reluctance for eye contact and as a result um especially growing up i spent most of my time being a bit slouched so i was normally mm. looking at the floor anyway um <laughs> So, See, I
1: would do that, but the problem is, I guess it's peripheral vision for me, because yes. I would look at the floor, A, because I didn't want to, like, I wasn't bothered about looking people in the eye, but B, because I didn't have any peripheral vision at the bottom, so I was trying to look on the floor, and then I would miss things like cupboard doors on the top, and I would still miss things like the dishwasher on the bottom.
0: Sure, I, I think we've mentioned that as far, I don't think I actually have mentioned on this podcast, but I know I've talked to you about it, um, but the site that I do have in my in my right eye, I believe is majority of it is peripheral. I do have mm. a decent part of it that's peripheral in the bottom corner, so I think that's uh. where that's where I'm helped on that front. Um, but yeah, uh, I think uh, we've uh, covered uh, a good amount uh, today, mm. uh, and i um, as I've uh, teased uh, with both uh, Lewis and Yayan, um, you uh, I'm sure you will be returning at some point. Uh, will make a great yeah. return yes
1: you will not be rid of me yet Wahaha.
0: exactly whether it's individually or as again i've mentioned in the past uh, a group um with the four of us maybe even talking about our time at uh, rnc as as we've all as it's as has been mentioned in each episode that's where we all met um mm-hmm. and uh realized that uh, we uh could tolerate each other enough um,
1: We've not been able to get rid of each other since.
0: No, no. Um, yeah. So, whether you look at it as a help or a hindrance, social media is a big part of that. Um, <laughs> definitely. But, uh, yeah, no. Thank you for uh, joining me today, Aaron. Uh, um, no worries. It's been yeah. a good time. Yes. No, glad you've enjoyed it. And,. Uh, Thank you um, to those of you who have uh, been listening Uh, and we will hear you next time. Goodbye. Well, that was a very informative chat. Hopefully you found it educational and somewhat entertaining. You can follow me on Twitter at Blind Brennan and I also have a blog called Blink and You'll Miss It if you fancy giving that a read. You've been listening with your eyes and you'll hear us again next time.